The Christmas season brings about great joy, eggnog, gifts, Christmas carols, and the occasional holiday romp. Ho, ho, ho! So, put on your ugliest Christmas sweater, pour yourself some eggnog, and get ready for the 12 Interviews of Christmas. guys welcome to the 12 interviews of christmas today's guest is someone i'm really excited to speak with i'm excited to share with you you guys are in for a treat michael reckenwald is an author of 12 books at least the last time i counted it's a big number folks it's a bigger number than mine i can tell you that he's a commentator he's been a professor at new york university duke university several other places carnegie mellon you know not the smart ones um he's been all over He's a former Marxist turned champion of liberty, and he joins us now. Michael, thanks so much for being here. Hey, great to have. Uh, thanks for having me, Drew. Good to be here. Yeah, absolutely. Well, like I said, I- I've been excited about this. It's been a long time since we crossed paths through our mutual friend, um, and I've been excited to get your thoughts on what's happened in the world since then. But before we get all serious, if you haven't noticed, it's kind of Christmassy holiday around here. What's your favorite holiday tradition? Ah, well, I'm going to say it's a Christmas tradition and it's uh, kissing under the mistletoe. I like that. It's the first time someone's given us that answer and it's about damn time. It's about damn time. (laughs) It's a good one. It's a good one. How do you think? That's our show for today, folks. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Be safe, be smart, be free. We'll see you next year. Um, No, it's it's a great one. I mean, this is how, if, if you don't have that, you don't have kids opening presents, all these great memories. The great things start with the mistletoe. Um, okay, from, from Christmas to communism. I don't know if that's, <laughs> that's the best segue we could Perfect do Perfect segue. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. I've been working on it. Um, so the world's changing, not even really by the day at this point. It's changing by the minute. Some people still don't see it. Some do. But I feel like even a lot of those who are growing uncomfortable with thing, how things are, whether it's in their community, whether it's at the national level, I feel like they don't quite get why they're feeling uncomfortable and get what is happening here. So it, it kind of brings up my first question to you is how far along are people on the other side who it's, that's a broad term I know, but how far along are we into fundamentally having a different country things shifting here in America? Oh, that's a great question. I, I think we're, um, we're, we're pretty far along. We we've had, uh, a cultural revolution so far that is kind of a communist cultural revolution uh, a la the cultural revolution in China. We, we've experienced many of the elements that uh, they had in China, like, uh, you know, the struggle sessions and cancellation is, is really uh, is really analogous to that. The... Uh, the infiltration of our institutions uh, by leftism, uh, broadly speaking, and uh, I'd say almost all areas of life, according, uh, including corporate America, the state, uh, uh, academia, of course, uh, the school system. So we're we're pretty far along. Uh, the economics of it are only uh, starting to be felt now. Um, but I want to leave this is a Christmas show, so I want to leave your your viewers with some hope. I, I think this all can be turned back. It's not too late. We can turn this back. 
at this it's still at this point well i'm glad to hear that i want to get into how we do that in a second but you bring up you know obviously um and, and it kind of dovetails together with a couple points i have here or a couple thoughts i want to get into is we've had someone else during these interviews talk about how this has been a long strategic plan of of the the communist left to make and bring about these changes here it didn't happen overnight and likewise we're not going to probably change things back overnight but one of those areas that i would would say has been one of the you know slowest burns the death by a thousand cuts whatever whatever you want to use is academia where you've spent a great part excuse me of your career just how how bad is it in in those areas i i have my my ideas and and thoughts on how bad it could be but you've been in it you've been in the lion's den what's it like in academia well it is a totalitarian at this point um this wokeism is a totalitarian ideology uh, that is really uh, designed to uh, eliminate all other uh, possible perspectives and to institute uh, a singular orthodoxy, which uh, is uh, not allowed to be even questioned. Uh, and any questioning of it is enough to get you in hot water like it did me at NYU. Yeah. Uh, it, so it's totally pervasive and it's corrupted everything all the way into the sciences and uh, uh, it's corrupted all of the administrations for the most part. We're talking about almost all academic institutions. And uh, yeah, they're, they're long gone. And uh, there is, uh, I would say, uh, an in, in infiltration that's is complete. So if in the Gramsci, and uh, that is uh, Antonio Gramsci, who theorized this idea of uh, cultural hegemony, uh, socialism penetrating uh, cultural institutions and taking them over, that 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 uh, phase is complete. That's terrifying. And, and I mean, it, it makes sense because you really you look at schools these days. You hear stories from people like yourself. And you don't know how, I mean, I mean, you don't know how to fix it. And I don't, I've got young children. I've got four kids who are, who are growing up and we've got a while until we get to that point. But it's like, I don't know what you do. I mean, what percentage of, of academia, specifically at say the college level, and we've got loads of problems as we all know happening beneath college and high school, middle school, and even elementary school now, hell, hell kindergarten for Pete's sakes. But what percentage would you say of, of academia at the collegiate level still is is doing it right and is being you know fair and balanced if such a thing even exists anymore uh, i would say there's probably uh half of a percent uh of the institutions that you can count on to not give you an indoctrination uh, in other words they're not indoctrination camps into leftism uh, and they're very few and far between. There are a few islands of resistance, like Hillsdale College right. and a few others, uh, uh, Re- uh, Regent University in uh, Virginia, uh, and a couple others. But uh, even a lot of the Christian colleges have been permeated by wokeness, and un- under uh, they're under siege. And uh, see, everybody thinks they have to... Uh, they have to accede to this ideology because it's 
courant and uh and it seems to be right in many senses but it's completely mistaken fundamentally yeah well i feel like with all this woke woke stuff with all the you know the other side plays on emotions and and quite well right they use it to their advantage they're they're experts in their marketing and how they kind of pull on emotional heartstrings and manipulate people but <clears throat> people I, I people out there feel like you know and and christian colleges that you bring up that's a perfect example right because it's like okay if you if you're of this belief here's what scripture says and it's not add as you want and and you know add and remove things as you want it's this is this is the law this is this is the truth according to the bible in the case if you're you know a liberty university wherever you might be but people feel so scared that they're going to offend others to the point where they cave on all of that stuff and they end up you know they think they're just giving away an answer they're just being kind and they're giving away miles how how do we get people to understand that it's okay to stand up for for what you believe it's okay to stand up for reason common sense all of all of those things because it those things are fleeting man they are they are damn near gone entirely well i think we need to appeal to principles and uh, the principles that uh, are being uh, jettisoned and being totally uh, suppressed and squelched are the principles of liberty and uh, individual autonomy and the free market, which I think are all intric- uh, in- in- inextricably wed. Without one, you can't have the other, and all, all, the, all of them are wed together. So we have to recognize that this woke uh, ideology is a totalitarian ideology that is meant to destroy all of those things, liberty, autonomy, and the free market, and to replace them with a uh, socialist totalitarianism, Hmm. with a totalitarian state over above a, a, a kind of actually existing socialism on the ground for the masses uh, with total control over the masses as well. There's no panacea there. It is not some sort of utopia. It may be a utopia as they appeal to you. They're going to try to give you a utopian uh, rhetorical uh, flourishes and so forth, but really you have to pay attention to what it results in, which is not good. It's not good. And and so few people have enough foresight to see that. I, I, I want to do a quick educational point here. We could probably talk for I don't know, a few months on this next topic, but in, in, in a, in a pretty, you know, it doesn't have to be super concise, but like in a, in a short verb, what's the cliff notes version of this? Cause you've written a book about the great reset. There's a lot of people in our audience who are aware of what that is, but there's also some who aren't mm-hmm. what in, in, again, I don't want to dilute it, but in broad terms for those who aren't familiar, but have heard the term, can you, yeah. can you describe the great reset? Well, I, sh- I should be able to, I guess. <laughs> Since I wrote a book on it, I better I better have this elevator <laughs> pitch down. The Great Reset brings in resets in three major areas. The economy, uh, the political sphere, and the social sphere. So the e- economic reset involves this... Uh, stakeholder capitalism, what they're calling stakeholder capitalism. But really what this comes down to is a kind of a monopoly scheme where you have uh, these uh, preferred, favored corporations in conjunction with the state 
dictating everything, including production and consumption. And it creates a two-tiered feudalistic-like system of oligarchs and the state on top with everybody else living, as I said, under actually existing socialism or how socialism really is, which is misery. Yeah. Uh, that's the economic part. The, the, uh, the political part is, is very much tied to that, and that is it, it ushers in the ability for these corporate stakeholders in conjunction with the state to dictate everything. And it circumvents the, uh, the democratic processes by uh, bringing in uh, through ESG scores and other means uh, this uh, the system and and cementing it in place, and uh, it 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 leads to like I said this oligarchy with the state in control and everybody else in their thrall, and the um, that's that's kind of like the political part now. The social part really comes vis-a-vis -vis technology, and it ushers in things like uh, digital identity and uh, central bank digital currency. Uh, it, it, uh, it, uh, the Internet of Bodies, and all of these means of technology to surveil and control the population. Uh, CBDCs, a central bank digital currency, uh, uh, constitutes complete control over all spending, savings, and debt. Uh, digital identity tracks you from cradle to grave. It creates a database about your every move. Uh, the Internet of Bodies even tracks the inside of your body. Uh, as uh, Yuval Harari, uh, one of the associates with the WEF, the World Economic Forum, said, it's not enough to have surveillance on people's exterior selves. We need to know what's going on inside of them, including their thoughts. Yeah. So all of this becomes possible for, through what they're calling the fourth industrial revolution. So altogether, it comes together as a kind of a, a surveillance state uh, of un, of without any kinds of uh, economic movement. And there's another element that's, there's a population element too. These people are neo-Malthusians. They want to reduce the population. Uh, and uh, they have various means by which they tend to do it. And I'm not, I'm not going to get into any of them. It's too much to cover. But, I mean, they've been pushing abortion and uh, forced sterilization through the UN for, for decades. Yeah. Uh, so all of these pieces come together to create this system in which you're, you have no upward mobility. There's no, it's a static hierarchy. You're under complete control of these oligarchs. And uh, all of this is being implemented incrementally. So the big trick is to watch the incremental uh, implementation of these issues because before you know it, we'll be boiling. You know, they're going to turn up the temperature one degree at a time. Right. And before you know it, we'll be boiling. Well, we and that's what's, that's what's so yeah. frustrating is, is <clears throat> we live in a society, whether it's as individuals – a collective, whether it's a government organization, which I've worked for, whatever, where, or, or, you know, just our country as a whole. And we focus on these shiny balls. We're easily distracted. And as you're looking here, all of this stuff is happening, which is also clear as day if you'll just pay attention. And I think right. that, you know, what's so frustrating about all the stuff you just talked about there with the Great Reset, and thank you for that, that explanation, is 
these people in this day and age, you know, if you're not woke, you're attacked by the left. If if you're not on board with everything, that's 100% or bust for them. You're you're attacked. And you bring up these t- these topics, what we're discussing today, and oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. When mm-hmm. literally they are saying it. For, I mean, I always say this. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. We will show clips of yeah. people saying it, and then YouTube or someone will say that's that we're taking this down. It goes against standards. It's it's conspiracy theory. I'm like we played the clip of that person from the World Economic Forum saying it. Like there, that's their intention. Yeah. And I mean, you write books on this stuff. It's got to be maddening for you. Yeah, I mean it is, but uh, I think they actually try to generate conspiracy theories on purpose in order to discredit all criticisms of this regime. And so I have a whole chapter in the book, uh, The Great Reset and the Struggle for Liberty, on the question of conspiracy theory. I believe it needs to be taken on head on and to disabuse people of this idea that you can dismiss something by throwing around this phrase and discrediting all criticism of this project. Yeah. And that's one of the things they do. They say crazy things, like Klaus Schwab said at the uh, last uh, annual meeting uh, in May. He said, uh, we have on the agenda, we may have another virus on the agenda. And he also said something like, uh, the future is made by us, by yes. thee in this room. You know, And so it ends itself, this conspiratorial thinking. And I wonder whether they don't do this on purpose in order to get the critics to get enraged and also start to get hyperbolic about what what's going on, and then they discredit all the criticism while they continue to roll out the program. I think that makes perfect sense. I think you're 100% right. They, and they do it on a political level here at, at home in the United States. They do it, uh, broadly speaking, it's let's trigger the, the con, you know, not even just conservatives, people who just are— Trigger them. Every day, yeah, trigger them, get them to say stuff, and then we'll be like, see, and it goes with our narrative. They're bad. We're good. Stop paying attention to what we do and carry on with your day. All right, so let's end with with something kind of more positive on this, um, which 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 you teased earlier. What what do we do to push back against this? Not again, not just at home. This is a global problem. They the, the globalists want this to happen across the board. Every right. it's not just America. Everyone will have nothing and be happy with it. Uh, so, so what do we do to push back? Well, I, I, I have a plan at the end of my book called The Grand Refusal. Uh, and basically, what we need to do is refuse effectively and continue to uh, try to practice uh, what we believe in, uh, the free market, individual liberty, and, uh, and so forth. So we reject all of their, uh, their uh, invasive technologies like the central bank digital currency, like the digital identity, like the Internet of Bodies implementations and ingestions into our bodies. Uh, we reject uh, the in- Environmental, Social, and Governance Index and all of its uh, manifestations and the control that it institutes throughout the, the economy. We pull our money from investments that are ESG-based. We take our money out of banks that are esg uh abiding and implementing. We have to look at the whole the pieces and see what they're doing and and then do not allow them to do it by disconnecting from that. So I often say it doesn't even matter who who's pulling the strings. We don't necessarily have to identify 
who exactly is pulling the strings. All we need to do is disconnect the strings from ourselves. That's all it takes. I like that. I like that. And it's it's something you can do on an individual level. And, right. And, and that's what has to happen. Okay, two last questions. These should be easier. Well, maybe one trickier. Is there a favorite song this time of year? That you you always that brings a little joy when you hear on the radio or you play at home. Uh, that's a great question. Um, let me give it, give it a minute here. Uh, gives me some joy. Uh, I'm gonna say uh, over the river and through the hills to grandmother's house we go because I I used to do this literally. My grandmother lived in very rural setting, and we'd almost basically have to plow our way there. It was <laughs> always it was always a white Christmas. And it was like very pristine and gorgeous, so that that brings joy back uh, to my mind. Yeah, I love it. I love it, and that I like the description, that, the story that goes with it too. All right, Michael, what's the best place for people to follow you? Get your books, which you guys need to do, by the way. Uh, where where's the best place for them to do that? I keep everything, including books and free essays, on my website at michaelrectonwald.com. So. The only thing that I charge for are the books. You can order them directly for me and circumvent Amazon, and you will get signed copies that way. Uh, and uh, also, all my essays are up there for free, interviews, uh, basically everything, all at michaelrechtenwald.com. I love it. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for taking time out during this season. Thanks for all that you do pushing back on all of this, whether it's the Great Reset or everything that goes along with the Great Reset and for um, just just being a, a, a hero on this. You really are to me. You're an educator on it, and it's so important that people understand what's going on and then how to push back, and, and that's, that's where we, uh, we're fortunate to have someone like you. So, Michael, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Drew. Great to be here. All right, for the rest of you guys, we hope you enjoyed this interview. We've got plenty more to come. We've got more interviews this Christmas season. We hope you'll come along and join us. In the meantime, have a great day, and we'll see you soon. Yippee-ki-yay, motherfuckers.